Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible, because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. What's up, everybody? What an amazing episode with my mentor and friend, Rand Stegen. Oh, man. Rand is just like one of these people where when you get any of his time, it's just so valued. He's an expert at conscious leadership, built the Stegen Leadership Institute, of which I'm a graduate from. We really got to have a great talk about leadership and how to show up as a stronger leader in the state of the world and what we can do to make change happen, what we have control over as leaders. So if you're a leader out here, listening to this episode, this is probably one of the better episodes you're going to get to listen to in the next 12 months. Tell me if I can get him to come back, but stay tuned. Hope you enjoy the episode. Guys, welcome to today's episode of The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazne. And boy, do we have a special guest, repeat guest. Rand Stegen is in the house. Rand, what's up, my man? A repeat guest? I don't know. I don't know what that means, but it's great to be back. Thanks for uh, the invitation to return for a little bit more conversation and exploration. Oh man. So I didn't tell you this before the show. We were just kind of catching up before the show, but so I only do repeat guests when I'm, when they're my favorite guests. So, so Rand's one of my faves. I've, I've, I think, I think to, to, to date, I've done like three repeat guests and and the show's going on a couple hundred shows at this point. So, um, 160, 173 have aired on podcasts, but I did like a probably almost a, 50 or 60 that never even made the podcast before on live. So, <laughs> so Rand and I, we go way back. I want to give the audience a little bit of our background. Um, and, and then, um, and then we'll get rolling here. So, um, one of the reasons I look, I, I, I probably said this to you before Rand, but I'm gonna say it right now because we're on air. Um, Rand's one, like someone I consider a, a mentor that I, I look up to. I, I, 
quote you all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of your work. You've changed my life from a leadership perspective and personally. And so it's so easy for me to, to say great things about Rand. Um, I met Rand through Stegen Institute. Um, and I'm a graduate of the program as many listeners who listen to the show know, get to listen to me talk about Stegen and my experience of, of doing Stegen's ILP program. And, um, and so I was very specific and for, for those, we'll talk about what Stegen is in just a second, but for, um, for those that, that don't know what Stegen is, Stegen is a leadership institute based out of Dallas that, that ran is a founder and CEO of, and I was introduced to it through, MIT through my Gathering of Titans program that we talk about on the show as well. And um, Rick Sapio, who is uh, a, a great friend of mine, and I were talking. I said, hey, do you think I should do Stegen? Because a lot of these folks there had done Stegen. They'd done this ILP program. And they, and they kept asking me, Darius, have you, have you, have you, have you done Stegen? Like, this is before I did Stegen, by the way. So yeah. they're like, have you done Stegen? Kept the, the, like, the question that kept coming up, uh, like, I'm at year one of MIT. It gets asked a half a dozen times. Year two, another half a dozen times. And I'm like, maybe I should do Stegen because I keep getting asked. So I go up to, to Sapio, who's a – Sapio's like a character out of, like, the Goodfellas. And so Sapio goes, I go, hey, hey, you know, I've been hearing a lot about the Stegen program. Do you think I should do it? And he goes, that's for you to figure out. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> this like evasive answer like you wouldn't give me a real i'm like what kind of an answer is that you know so fast forward i go i start check i check out the ilp program and strand who founded the program many years ago teaches one course a year and i when i was talking to uh i think it was daphne i said hey look i only want to do the one that Rand teaches and so i ended up joining Rand's Rand's program my class is called hamilton class and this was in the beginning of 2019 four years ago and, and it changed my life. Now it came at a time in my life when I was like imploding a little bit, you know, I was, I left nine months into the program. I left my, my, my position as CEO of TMS, but from that program, I, I I've gotten to now explore so many different parts of myself as a conscious leader. And, uh, I have Rand to thank for all that. So thanks so much, Rand. I appreciate you being here. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to be in the, uh, the journey with you. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that, we at Stegen and our, our faculty, um, when they come from around the country and, and even Canada to train with our team, they, they often are making this assumption like we've got the answers and we're just sort of dispensing what I think in, in the spirit of an old Taoist saying, the teacher and the student create the taught. So the teacher and the student create the conditions for the learning to occur. And, uh, and often I'm learning more than the quote student is, and uh, and that's the real treat, Darius. Is you've been a you've been a great uh, you've been a great collaborator and partner both in the integral leadership program that fifty two week intensive that you did, um, but also in uh, in just our friendship in uh, podcasts in Clubhouse in all sorts of other forums. So look forward to seeing wherever the conversation takes us. Yeah, so I, I do as well, um, and 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 it's it's it is a treat to get to spend this time to talk about all those things. So I, the reason I wanted to do Stegen, the reason I chose to do Stegen and, and anyone who's listening, just go to Stegen.com and to learn more. And we're going to be talking about the Stegen a lot on this, on this show, but, um, was I, I'm a, I'm a personal growth athlete. And I always tell people, I'm like, I'm a, uh, if there's a, a, an Olympics of personal growth, I'm, I'm fighting to get a gold, you know, whatever that means. Um, and so I'm always out there trying to make myself better. And, and when I hear when people, when something comes up for me once, I'm, I'll, 
I'll take notice. When something comes up for me a dozen times from different people I respect, I usually go and do a deep dive. And that's how Satan came into my life. Um, and so I was so glad to do it because it, it really did, you know, change my life in a lot of ways. Um, now I, I want to give a little bit of your background. Um, so, so Rand, and again, if you listen to the show in the past, we do a little bit deeper dive on this. Rand is the CEO of Stegan Leadership Academy, uh, lifetime entrepreneur. So you, you ran a publishing company before that lives in Dallas, has a family, wife, two daughters, and, and really like, you know, you're doing this work around conscious leadership and really taking the, 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 uh, you know, a, a friend of mine, I think, you know, Yannick Silver, right? No, who it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Yannick, he, he uses the term, you know, one, one candle lighting a thousand candles, right? Like, like I, I really think of like Stegen is, 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 is a institution that does that. You're lighting a lot of leaders candles who are lighting other candles. Would you mind mm-hmm. kind of like taking us like kind of back to what is Stegen? How did you develop it? You know, what was your journey in kind of creating that? And, and what do you guys, what, what's really the goal of, of, of the Academy? Yeah, and I'll do this very briefly so we can get into conversation, but the background might create some helpful context um, for the listeners. So we uh, we started uh, in uh, on February 6, 1999, and um, and I'm gonna I'll tell the story um, of what happened uh, over the last 24 years. Yesterday was our birthday, uh, but our uh, but but the the journey before that for me, as you mentioned, lifelong entrepreneur. Um, always had businesses in high school and college. Um, in college at SMU in Dallas, I started an underground newspaper. You mentioned a publishing company that really started at university. And then in my 20s, I ran a, a small publishing company with probably about 50 employees. And we had a number of different titles, newspapers, glossy magazines, both locally in Dallas and, um, and regionally through Texas and in uh, this part of the country. We um, we had a sales team of about 30, uh, about 30, uh, individuals. And i I was responsible for doing the fundamental kind of, you know, sales 101 training every morning for 30 minutes. And, and Darius of all the things I did as a publisher, what I loved the most and what I looked forward to the most and where I got the most energized was in that 30 minutes of training and development. Um, I was very lucky back in the 1990s to have stumbled upon executive coaching. I hired a coach to work with me because I was a young entrepreneur. I didn't have a lot of experience. And so I was a user of coaching. I was a um, I was experienced in helping others grow and learn. And when I sold the publishing company um, in 1999, my financial partners and I sold, I had the opportunity to press reset and say, you know, if I could start over, what do I want to do? And I wanted to follow that sort of bliss follow my, in the spirit of the hero's journey, kind of follow that call to adventure. And that was to move into the um, training and development space. And, um, and February 6th, for the video here, I'm kind of spontaneously pulling this off the, uh, off the shelf. So this dollar bill from, um, from February 6th of 1999 was our first dollar. And uh, it was Rick Sapio. That was our first client, and I think he's going to be on your show uh, coming up soon. And uh, and he wrote a, he wrote a little note on here, and uh, and I said to him, he said, you know, you're going to do a two hour training with my team at Mutuals.com at the time, and uh, which is a part of his holding company, Mutual Capital Alliance. And he said, how much are you going to charge me for a two hour workshop? And I took a big deep breath, and I was super nervous, and I said. 
how about $50? And, uh, and he said, done. And so he gave me a $49 check, his idea and a dollar bill, which I framed and has been sitting behind me at different offices um, for the last couple of decades. And that's, uh, and that's how it began. And the, uh, the, the company started uh, before there was conscious capitalism as a term, before conscious leadership was popularized. We, um, we felt this, this call to help leaders become more conscious, to become more capable, to be able to hold more, a, more, a, more, a broader perspective. And we've felt back in 99, and we still feel today, that organizations uh, are a reflection of their leaders. Communities are a reflection of their leaders. Society is a reflection of its leaders. And so if we want to be a part of creating positive change in the world, the root cause of anything that's that's happening positively or, neg- or negatively, we believe, is upstream to the leader. So how goes the leader? So goes the fill in the blank. Company, community, city, state, you know, um, uh, globe. And so our, our, um, our hope, our commitment is that we can play a role in changing the world by changing leaders. And so that's, uh, that's our, that's our purpose. And you guys are doing a great job with that for sure. So what, um, let's go that, let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit. You know, when you, you know, when you look, I mean, we live in a complicated world, right? It seems to get more complicated by the hour. Um, when you start to think of the, the goals of what Stegan's creating and the tides around us right now, what are your, what are you, what are your thoughts? Like, are you feeling like, are we, are we dropping a, a is it a bucket in, in a, of cold water in a, in a boiling pot that's the size of the ocean? Or is it, you know, do you feel like that, that this is even a, can we actually make change happen given the, the I guess the different, the polarity that's out there, the different, you know, tides that are out there. Cause I feel like when I talk to people, everyone feels like the world's worse than it's ever been. Like this mm-hmm. is, a, I hear this from a lot of people, but at the same time, that may or may not be true. Right. I, I just love to hear your perspective because I think that I agree with you. You and I are on hundred percent on the same page, you know, you know, with the leadership goes, goes the, you fill in the blank. Right. F- f- what, what are your thoughts on this given the world, the state that we're in right now? Well, I mean, I, I think that, you know, one of the, uh, one of the responsibilities of waking up as a leader is to recognize the long arc of time, as you've heard me talk about repeatedly, and how do we zoom out and not not take ourselves so seriously? And if we're lucky, of the hundred years that we may be able to uh, to live, but if we look at that hundred years in the context of thirteen point eight billion years to the big to the Big Bang, you know, let's 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 stay open to the possibility that these patterns of distress and contraction and hyperpolarization that we're experiencing in America, this may be for me as a, as a 52 year old, this is clearly um, the most difficult time I've ever experienced as a citizen of the United States. But that doesn't mean that if we went back in a time machine to the 1960s and talked to people who are our age back then, and what was going on with the Vietnam War and what was going on with, you know, the political conflict and what was going on with, um, you know, so much of um, the America doing, you know, a similar version of, of fighting and tearing itself apart. 
Uh, this has happened many times before, not just in America, but in um, in every culture. These some things sort of change, and many things stay the same. And so, um, what for me is most terrifying is not that this is a new pattern of human um, of, of human development. It's the uh, amplification of this with the technology that has never existed before and how the technology, social media in particular, um, are, they're creating these echo chambers of, let's just take right, left politically. And so, you know, pick your camp. And it's all of a sudden we're, we're, we're tuning into, instead of having one unified Walter Cronkite, we now have these um, we now have these partial truths of what's going on in the world and the economic model, as we all know, of these um, of these uh, social media and even traditional media, the economic model is outrage. And the um, and the narrative warfare that is happening is actually fueling the incentives. And so um, I actually believe that we are much less divided as Americans then we're being told we are by the media. And that is, um, and that's kind of my sense of the state of the world. And we're going to need to, uh, and we're going to need to see leadership come online to help us work through this in a way that, um, that I, I believe, and I have a bias, but I believe that leadership is the single most important, um, part of a path forward. And I think it's going to be really long and I think it's going to be really hard. And we're going to need leaders who are willing to stay in the heat of that, if that makes sense. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through, but then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius Mishazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you. They've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. 
It stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life, canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. Yeah, so so like going down, let's assume that, and I'm in full agreement with you that I think leadership is the answer, right? Because to your point earlier, you know, with leadership goes goes these different groups. And is right now, to your point, there's an incentive system from the media perspective to sell outrage, clickbait, yeah. get people's attention, fighting for people's attention. The, the most salacious headline gets the notice. The biggest notice goes viral. They get paid more money. So, you know, as uh, what uh, Charlie Munger says, you know, show, show people's, show me someone's incentives. I'll show you the outcomes. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so right now we have this incentive system that's, you know, at least in its current state is probably broken. Um, yep. Going the other direction though, and let's use this idea of it requiring better leadership. And when, you know, I'm, I'm rather, <laughs> I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, 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 unhappy. Maybe that's not the, that's not the word I'm thinking of, but I don't think that we have our best leaders out there running the country right now. I, I, I don't think that, that I, and I think that it has to go with the incentive system that we have in place, which is I talked to, I know a lot of great leaders and, and I would consider myself a strong leader. I have zero interest in going into politics to try to fix stuff, mostly because the incentive system is so out of whack. Right. Right. Um, and, and that I would love to feel confident that I could go and make change happen as politically in our country, as a leader from a social perspective, but no, I feel like no one in their right mind wants to put themselves, their families through this, this media, this, this social experiment of, of basically getting torn up to pieces for anything and everything right. you've ever done. And so I almost feel like everyone's canceling themselves. Like, like where it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing like, I'm, I'll use my, I'll speak for myself. Forget about everybody else. I'm canceling myself. Cause I'm like, I'm not doing that. I would never want to put my family through that mostly because I'm not a perfect person nor is anybody else and i don't want to have to defend everything i've done throughout my whole life so how do we how do you think we overcome that if the incentive systems are misaligned with great leaders wanting to go and make change yeah i mean this is obviously i'm not a a political expert uh nor do i um have an uh, an appetite to really focus on that part of societal change um while that's incredibly important and uh, and, and timely, no matter what the time is, uh, I, I go back to root cause. What's the driving force behind the political choices that are being made? Uh, it, it has a lot to do with capital and has a lot to do with where the money is. And so, um, so where we're choosing and where we've chosen for decades to focus is on the 
consciousness of the capital. So we talk mm. about conscious capitalism, and that is often about being a conscious leader and being a conscious business. But what's it going to take for the actual um, economic power behind politics and behind the media to wake up? And so, um, so there's a let, let's think about it like this: the the best way that I can make sense of for myself what's happening uh, in America, what's happening in so many parts of the world. I mean, Brazil is almost in, in some ways, uh, it's, it's, it's very, it's fascinating how their dynamic um, is so similar to what's going on in America and so many other places in Europe and around the world. This, this, this divide between a more nationalistic, more patriotic, more traditional sensibility with a more uh, progressive sensibility. So let's just you know oversimplify this with the label of a traditionalist view versus a progressive view. And some of your listeners may know about uh, a term called the dialectic. And the dialectic, while it has um, while it has some limitations, also has some really helpful insights. At least it has been for me that say in a dialectic, there's a thesis. And a thesis for America can be American exceptionalism. And that thesis is we need to we need to protect what's right about America. That's the role of the traditionalists. That's the role of conservatives to conserve what's right with America. And then you have thesis, then you have antithesis, right? So the antithesis is actually there to say well, all the things that are wrong in this case with America. And so when you hear these, you know, these screaming camps. And one camp of the traditionalists is saying, we've got all these things that we need to protect about America. And then you've got all these people in the progressive camp saying, we've got all these things that we need to fix that's wrong with America. What's right with America? What's wrong with America? And it's become this binary um, battle and a culture war um, as if one of them is right and the other one is wrong. But the reality is that there's a partial truth in both of them. And so what, what the, the beauty of the dialectics is says that if we take the, the light of the traditional camp and the light of the progressive camp, the, the parts of both of those camps that are actually very, um, they're very important, and we move to higher ground, that's a synthesis. And so it's a little academic, but thesis, antithesis, synthesis, and the synthesis is the higher order emergence that's coming online right now. And people will say to me all the time, you know, Rand, this, this sounds, sounds good. You're saying that there's this, there's this elevated place that from a development standpoint that is emerging. Um, and you're saying that it's more complex, that it's, that it's more nuanced, that it, that it, that it isn't so captured by judgment, right, wrong, but it has discernment that's online. Well, give me examples, show me companies, show me leaders that are of this. So what we call higher ground leadership or higher ground organizations. And unfortunately, Darius, because it's emergent, okay, there aren't a bunch of exemplars yet. And mm. it's such a cliche, but like, you know, if not, if not, if not us, who, if not now, when, I mean, we need to actually see leaders willing to step into this field, this emerging field um, that is uh, that is that is coming online, and and this when I step back from all my own challenges and all my own struggles, 
as a leader, as a father, as an American, and try to zoom out and just recognize that there is a developmental process happening or an evolutionary process. And in the integral theory world, there's a, there's a saying, and it's really uh, timely for right now. And the saying is, evolution is beautiful. The evolutionary process is beautiful, but it isn't pretty. Hmm. It's a beautiful, but it isn't pretty to be in it. And so I don't want to marginalize the pain, the difficulty, the struggle that that people are in. And I, I personally don't want to make the traditionalists wrong. And I don't want to make the progressives wrong. I actually recognize that if they are not in this conflict, this, this banging conflict, like tectonic plates banging together, if they're not in that, then the energy for a mountain to come out of that through time won't be there. We need that conflict. We need that productive, um, that productive, you know, even though at times it is, um, it is, it is scary. We need that productive distress to actually create the evolutionary energy to push up. And so, um, so it's, it's, it's really, it takes a lot of, uh, it takes a lot of work for me because I'm a work in progress to not want to judge, right? She's wrong. He's right. There's a partial truth and there's some pathology and there's some shadows in every stance that also needs to have, uh, you know, guardrails and boundaries. So that's, uh, that would be my view of kind of 2023. I love it, man. Um, I, I laugh just because I'm like, and then some, right? That's, 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 that's a, that's a work in progress, but it's, it's, it's a great point. And, and I think that having that perspective that, Hey, let's take a step back and realize that the, the, the thesis and, and, and I'm a person that I never thought of what you just said, thesis, antithesis, synthesis, right? The, the, to have these forces at play, these tectonic plates hitting to create this mountain of growth, that's part of that process. And, and I think that people get so focused on each piece of those separately and, and, and say, well, this is good, this is bad. And then they marry those ideas and stick to them, not realizing that the, the pressure of those hitting is what creates the next outcome. It just it takes longer than I think people want. Um, I, I would love to kind of talk about an example of that because you and I had a, an interaction almost two years ago where, where we were, I want to give some context here to the audience. I, I hit up Rand. I was kind of on this clubhouse kick when clubhouse first came out and, um, and I was putting on a lot of events on there and doing a lot of getting on a lot of stages and I said, Hey, Rand, I want to have you come and talk on clubhouse. And I want to do, and, and Rand said, well, why don't we do, you know, there was, you know, this is in the middle of, this is what March, February, March of 2021. And we, we thought about doing, having kind of a controversial conversation around DEI, you know, yep. uh, and, and so I got all fired up about it. And I went to a bunch of the moderators on clubhouse and said, Hey, you know, I got, you know, basically Rand Stegen wants to come on here and we want to have this great, great conversation about DEI. And I hit up all these different folks um, who I thought best represented that movement or, or at least for very and, and just for everyone, just for everyone who's not familiar with the acronym, this is the diversity, equity and inclusion movement that has been building for many decades. Uh, but post the murder of George Floyd, which was in May of 2020, you know, six, seven months before the clubhouse um, meeting that you're talking about, uh, the country was um, was understandably very 
very, very focused on. And a lot, there was a lot of energy and a lot of confusion happening and swirling around and a demand from organizations around training around diversity, equity, and inclusion. So that, that just the background context there back to you. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, it was exactly framed very well. So, so I, so Rand got excited about, you know, kind of exploring the platform, us having this, you know, this, this conversation that was not an easy conversation involving, you know, all sorts of camps from entrepreneurs to folks who were very like deeply entrenched in promoting DEI and all throughout society. And, and so I go and started reaching out to a bunch of people and it's a couple of things I noticed right away. Number one was people that I w- was connected with were not responding to me. And so I'm going to mention what I called it. I said the shadows of DEI, I think was the, what I called it. Initially. I, I, I think, I think, spe- I think specifically, um, I said, when you said, well, what are we going to talk about? And I said, well, there's so many wonderful dimensions of DEI. And there's also, because wherever there's light, the good stuff, wherever there's light, there's shadow. And I said, let's talk about the shadow of DEI, because that's not actually getting acknowledged. And you were like, sounds great. And you put up on the uh, promotional materials, the shadow side of DEI with Darius and Rand. Yep. And so I get out there and I'm, and, and I'm a person that's, you know, my Colby, I'm a eight quick start. So I just go whenever I, I get excited yeah. about something <laughs> and, 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 and right away people are like not uh, ghosting me and I'm like, Oh, that's weird. They didn't even respond. And so I, so I'm bugging them. I'm like, Hey, are you going to come join the room? And, and I had a couple people right away said, do not include me in this. I have zero interest in talking about any shadow of DEI. Like, yeah. There are no shadows of DEI. I think literally someone said that to me, and I was like, yep. "Well, that's." It. So I had I had a resp- I had a pretty sizable group of folks do that as we got closer to the event, and that kind of shocked me. And then I have a friend, a great friend of mine, Jeff Shocks, who is a you know he's a patent attorney, who venture capitalist, professor at Stanford, and he said, "You know, man, are you sure you want to do this on Clubhouse?" And I respect Jeff a lot, and I'm a person that kind of. It shoot you want know, shoot aim fire right like I, I shoot first yeah. and ask questions later and I was like well shit is this one of these situations where I didn't analyze this properly because I got excited about it and he said are you sure you're gonna you want to do this and I said what what are you talking about and he's like you're gonna get canceled and 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 I'm and I was like I'm like for for listeners of the show I was just I was a month away from launching the podcast when someone's telling me this I'm gonna get canceled I'm trying to to promote work and put myself out there and I've never been canceled before well maybe I have a little bit but um <laughs> but I I and so I I freaked out I totally freaked out this is like the day before the event no no it was and- the day it was the day of the event the event was at <laughs> eight p.m. And you called me around three o'clock in the afternoon. I remember where I was on the highway and I had my headset in and you were freaking. Yeah. So I, I hit up Rand and was like, and, and I, would you mind telling this part of the story? Cause you remember it better than I do. And, and, oh, and, yeah. I and you said, you said, you said, Rand, I just talked to my buddy. He says, I'm going to get canceled. I don't want to get canceled. Maybe you're going to get canceled. Maybe we're both going to get canceled. And I said, I said, well, what do you want to do? And you go, all I want to do is change the name. And I said, well, what do you want to change the name to? And you said, how about a 360 degree view of DEI? And I remember saying, no, I said, I will not be complicit in the watering down of the name if, if we're coming from a place of fear. Now, that doesn't mean that, that I didn't 
honor and respect your concern because we need it to be responsible. But operating from fear is a very um, is a very unresourceful place to be as a leader. Sure. And so we took some deep breaths and we talked it through and you were and you were and you, you calmed down. And I said, OK, maybe there's a gift in the feedback, because if we title it as the exploring the shadow of DEI, we're actually not acknowledging the light of DNI. And so what we did is we changed the name, which you agreed to, exploring the light and shadow of DEI with Darius and Rand. And it, and, and it was a way for us to stay in integrity with what we wanted to do, but it actually made the, 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 the label, but it actually made the framing, the context for the, for the evening much better because we were more inclusive of yep. what's really good about DEI and what's troubling and what's pathological and scary about DEI. And, uh, and that opened up a really rich discussion. And, um, and I, by the way, I've never told you this, but I had people in my organization and I had a, an, an advisor who was a mentor of mine who said, I don't think you should do this show. And I said, why? I don't think that you should speak out on anything. And once again, fear. And I had to make a decision for myself whether I was going to simply um, comply with the perceived expectation that as a white male, that I need to be silent. And there are, there were, and there are moments where as a white male, I do need to sit down and listen, of course. And there are opportunities for other people to sit down and listen, but to feel like I have to be silenced because I have to be afraid that I'm going to be canceled and to, and to make an assumption that because I'm a white male, I have to own the identity that I am a white supremacist, which was being which was being pushed on me in 2020 and 2021 that, Hey, you know, you're, you're a white male. So you are a white supremacist, which I rejected that, um, that, um, that label, that doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that I'm not flawed. I've got all sorts of um, things that I was working on around this, around the race topic and other topics. And I'm, I'm committed to growing and learning, but I'm not going to grow and learn if I'm being put in a corner and being told to shut up. That, that doesn't serve me. And I'll, and I'll share with you one last thing. Um, you know, I've been, I talked to a, a bunch of people who are operating from a more progressive, the DEI movement is from the progressive camp. And I said to several of them in 2020, and, you know, even, even that evening, by the way, when we talked, I said, you know, what are we going to do with the 72 million people who voted for Donald Trump? Okay. In the last election. And their answer often from the progressive camp is, well, they don't have a voice. And I'm like, but aren't you guys the inclusion people? And this is the irony, right? So many, I'm not saying all, but so many of the voices from the extreme left and the extreme progressive camp around DEI is we're all about inclusion as long as you see the world the way we see the world. Right. But if you see the world through a more traditional view and you voted for Donald Trump, you aren't included in our conversation about the future of America, which is which is mind boggling because that's that that is a form of inclusion that I call a 
conditional inclusion. You're included conditionally as opposed to having a inclusion where there's a big 10 for everybody. That doesn't mean that your pathological behaviors are welcome, but your voice, your point of view, you, we need to have diverging point of views. We our, our country was built on I mean, our motto out of many one, right? You know, e pluribus unum, out of many one, out of many perspectives, out of many views, out of many experiences. The richness of America is in its diversity. And yet we went through a period and we're still in a period right now for some people who say, you're only included if you see the world the way we see the world. And that can be on the progressive side or the traditional side. I'm not not taking I'm not taking sides here, but I will not simply be silenced out of fear. And if that means that I have to risk, then I'm going to risk. And I hopefully will do it in a respectful and conscious and thoughtful way without arrogance. Um, but I I want to contribute to the to the conversation, and I want to be challenged. And I want to be, I want my assumptions to be disconfirmed and I want to grow and learn. I don't want to convince everyone that I'm right, but I also don't want to miss the opportunity to contribute the parts that I have of the puzzle that might actually be right and the parts that are wrong that I need to be dissuaded or dissuaded from, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, it, it, it makes total sense. And, and it was, it was. I love like what ended up happening that evening was we had a rich conversation and it was a diverse conversation. And there was a lot of assumptions, both I think challenged on both sides of the fence um, from people's preconceived notions of what this idea of DEI meant to them, both even for myself and I, I know for yourself. And, and I, I was excited that, you know, yeah, I walked in there to, on that conversation with you the afternoon of like freaked out and then, you know, I think we ended up having like a three or four hour conversation that night on Clubhouse with like, we had a couple hundred people in and out of that room. Yep. And it was a really productive, I mean, a lot of people afterwards hit me up and were like, we need to do this way more often. And these were folks who were entrenched in their beliefs. So I think it kind of foots to what you were talking about earlier, which is we need to have these conversations if we want to come together and synthesize and create a, a synergy uh, of the different perspectives. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What, um, you know, uh, you know, we have a, a mutual friend, Javon McCormick, um, Scribe Media, and he he's in the conscious capitalism movement. And he and I have talked a lot around this idea of, you know, and I, I, I'm a moderate, I'm kind of middle of the road I, and I'm, and I'm a conscious leader and I'm an integral leader. And I, so I, I, and for folks that don't know what that means, at least my, when I say it to people, I say, look, it's not that one side's right or the other side's right. It's maybe what if they they, they both have points that need to be like empathized right. with, understood and, and worked right. with. Right. And, you know, I do think that, that you have these loud voices in the room that so whoever gets to hold the mic is kind of monopolizing the airspace. And so as leader in business, and we'll use that, I think as a vessel for, for my next question, 
how do we how do we create these types of interactions in our organizations to to level up the organizations? Like, how do you propose people do that when there's fear of being canceled? And I'll use I, I mentioned Devon because he and I were talking about the use of pronouns in his company that 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 there was a oh. that they wanted to put pronouns on the desks of his company. And I won't talk about what happened, but but he and I had a, a pretty rich conversation about this. Look, he's a he's voted number one on uh, number one CEO in Austin, Ernst and Young finalist. This guy's a stud, right? He's running a great yep. company, and he's a African American guy that's that's you know been through a lot. His story is crazy, right? So he's crazy, having some his childhood. His childhood is absolutely you know ter- just 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 terrifying. The challenges that he endured growing up. Right. And so this guy has been through a lot to your point and, and he's a really open-minded guy, right? I would consider him a conscious leader. And, and he was having challenges around folks out there pushing him to on overly progressive ideas of what they wanted to do from a, this is a DEI conversation, I guess. Um, and, 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 you know, he's open-minded and wanted to have people feel comfortable, but he also has some, you know, he doesn't want that to be at the expense of, of everyone feeling uncomfortable. Right. So, so this is a really delicate, complicated world we live in. How do, how, how is it that we can embrace these conversations more in our organizations, outside of our organizations? What are your thoughts around leaders being able to do more of that? How does that happen? Because I think the idea of it sounds great. But then the reality, the rubber meets the road and Darius calls up Rand three hours before a, a conversation like this and freaks the fuck out because it's yeah. scary, right? And yeah. her, it's saying be courageous, I don't think is, and that's easy to say, hard to do. Like, but how do we, what, what are your, th- what do you think are the baby steps to making this happen? Because I think the more that happens, more will happen, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I really appreciate the question. Um, that my, my sort of instinctual answer is I don't know. That, that, that's how I'm, that's how I'm like, I'm starting with, you know, if I knew I'd be, uh, I'd, I'd be, I'd be trying to help people access that solution. I think we're going to need to have conversations where instead of looking for an answer, it's almost like, how do we live a version of that question, right? How do we actually just lean in and keep asking the question, what do we need to do to to elevate, you talk about leveling up. To elevate, you know, in the, in a conscious capitalism backdrop, the idea of the purpose of conscious capitalism as a nonprofit global movement is to elevate humanity through business. And so, how do we elevate humanity as as capitalists? How do we elevate humanity through business? And I, I think Darius, for me, probably the single most important um, like handrail I could grab in the dark here is to recognize uh, that we are not fixed, okay, as adults. And the the people who are in our camp or who are in other camps, okay, if we're having debates, they're also not fixed. There's a, we are dynamic. Even as adults, we have the opportunity to grow and learn and change and develop and to see things in richer and more expansive ways. Um, and if we make an assumption that we're fixed, and by the way, we're right, and that the other is fixed, and by the way, they're wrong, then we actually create a stalemate. And, and that's why I think, you know, Daniel Schmachtenberger, he's a, 
uh, is an intellect and a thought leader. And he had a great way of describing this that I heard um, that I heard him share once. And he said, do we see the others as nouns or verbs? A noun is fixed. A verb is dynamic. And so what I what I love about that frame is and I what I would give you back for you to respond to is how do we actually see ourselves and others as verbs, as a as a work in progress, as evolving and as growing? Uh, because then we all have the opportunity to become a little bit better together, as opposed to being right and uh, and trying to convince others that our answer is the right answer. So I don't, how does that land for you? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I started thinking of the verbs that if you were to change from a noun to a verb and force people to do that, if people did that themselves, I guess, forget about forcing them, what verb would they pick that they believe the opposition, the people that believe opposite of them, what would they, what verb would they give them? And the, the words that started coming to my brain were like not moving, not changing, you know, right. that they're staying still They're you know, encamped in their belief you know like i started thinking of like they would like if you were forced to say that i think it would change the perspective of how people label each other right because yeah then they themselves have to look in the mirror right of how, how yeah. are they are they changing are they willing because I, I i i was i've talked to my family is in i'm from southern california my family is very very progressive and i'm i'm a, I'm a hardcore moderate i'm just like right in the middle like i'm i'm when we when, when I was at Stegen, we learned there's a part where we kind of learn about the different mindsets. And I raised my hand to Rand and said, "What if you're all of them, Rand? Right. <laughs> like, what if you're a traditionalist yeah. and you're a progressive, right? Because I feel like I'm kind of all of them, right? So I believe that that's part of being an integral leader. And um, and with my family, I said, "Look, if you're going to be in, if if I believe in inclusiveness, then I have to also include people's beliefs I don't agree with." And they can't, they couldn't get their head around that. They didn't like that, right. you know? So yeah. And I, and I, I, and, I, and I, I think what comes to mind and I just appreciate that and to be even more, um, to be even more kind of precise with, with our own sort of conversation here, how do we include the human being without having to include everything that comes with the human being? Right. So the proverbial, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, just because someone has a worldview that's different than mine, I have to actually then throw out the whole person. How do I keep, and this is a little bit more of the transcendent nature of a higher ground leadership, an integral leadership, is to recognize that there's, a, that, there's a, that there's an aspect of all of us as human beings, no matter where we are in the political spectrum or no matter what worldview we come from, that is there's an impulse, an evolutionary impulse to transcend, to, to, to move to higher levels. And if we, if we throw out the whole person, which is often what's happening in social media today, is we're just marginalizing and dismissing, maybe like your family was doing, just dismissing the whole person because of some of the views that this person holds right now. But that person may not hold those same views five years or 10 years from now, or that person may have a child that will not hold those same views. And so we also have to look at the sort of long game here of multi-generational leadership. You know, I was with a mentor 
Rick Vorin, who's the chairman of our firm, when he was my mentor 20 years ago, um, before he joined us, uh, and, and really has in many ways been my, uh, my guide in, in my own journey as a leader. And he, he was very surprised because I came to him with a book, uh, a book called A Road Less Traveled by Scott Peck. And this was about eight or nine years into our relationship. And I said, oh my gosh, I found this book. And this book, I read it cover to cover and I couldn't, I, I couldn't put it down. And it's almost as if this book is like the manual of what you've been mentoring me on for almost 10 years. And he smiled and he said, yes. He said, that book changed the trajectory of my life. That's one of the most important books that I've ever, that I've ever read. And I said, you're my mentor. You've been mentoring me for eight years. And how come you didn't tell me about this book? And he said, if I had told you about the book, I would have robbed you of the opportunity to find that truth for yourself on your own. And I said, but what if I never found the book? And then he said, with a smile again, like, you know, in a martial art movie when he's like the Yoda, you know, with the pebble and snatch it out of his hand. And he said, well, because I have two daughters, he said, maybe your daughters would have found the book. And that would have been okay too, because he's holding a longer horizon, right? Especially than I was back then. And so part of this is there is, there's this impatience that wants to solve everything right now. And that, that we need that impatience. Remember the tectonic, the tectonic energy. We need that impatience and we need the patience. And we need to recognize that if you were to ask me, you know, Rand, are things going to get better or worse in the short term? I would say between now and the next, you know, 10 years, 2030, I think things are going to likely get much worse for America. I think there's going to be a lot more conflict, a lot more culture war. I think it's going to get much worse. And then eventually, I think it's going to get incredibly um, beautiful when a new when a new worldview, a new integral synthesis emerges in a in a in a broader way at a societal level. And and maybe my you know, my kids who were now in their teenage years, they're in their twenties or thirties, they'll get to actually benefit from that lift, that societal lift. Um, I'm just guessing, but by no means do I think things are going to get quote better, you know, in 2023 or 2024 or 2025. And I'm okay with that. That that let's play the long game. That doesn't give us an excuse to to not stay in our learning, but how do we um, how do we stay in the heat of all this? and not be attached to a particular outcome in the short term. Yeah. It's, it's funny hearing you say that just now. Um, I, I wanted to kind of honor something you said to me about four years ago, three and a half years ago. Um, so about three and a half years ago, I was going through a change in my life where I was contemplating leaving my business, which for anyone that's built a business of even a small business or a big business, but especially if it's a big, bigger business, you know, you, you're, you, a lot of your identity is tied to it. Right. For sure. And, and, um, and it was really painful. I mean, I was not, I was not having fun. And, um, and we talked, I think it was April of, it was that gathering of Titans at MIT. You, 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 you were the head, you were actually open the event. And, um, and we were chatting up in the, we were over a glass of wine and, 
and 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 I'm going to butcher what you said because I'm always bad at quoting other folks. But but you said something like, you know, I was telling you about this hardship I was going through and trying to figure this thing out. And, and you and you said something to the effect of, and what a gift! You called it a gift. <laughs> what a gift to get to solve that problem or something something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you said it to me once or twice over over my year at Stegen, and I remember thinking, fuck that. <laughs> this is not a gift, you know? Yeah. And I remember like, you know, like I was like not offended at you, but just offended at the thought of it being a gift. Um, and you don't know this, but recently I figured out how big, how, what you meant. I actually mm. understood that, um, that, that that created an opportunity for that tension to exist, to create growth for me as a, as a human, right? I'm probably the, the the exponential increase in my growth has I went vertical. My growth went vertical over the last four years. Yeah, yeah. And but the pressure and pain it took for that to happen, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't wish on someone. But but it's it's put me in a totally different trajectory personally, um, as a leader, as a human, and from, from a mental health perspective, it's pretty insane how much I've changed. Um, and I realized this is a, a something I was journaling about recently, and I wrote that was the gift. Right. Hmm. And so, you know, what do you think is, you know, when you start talking, you know, I, I'd love for you to kind of address that because it, it was something that we, I think sometimes people like will, will get that feedback when they're going through hardships of, you know, this is something that's happening for you. This is a gift. You know, if, if we're looking at a, from a conscious leadership perspective or even your own personal perspective, what, 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 what drove you to, to think that or to say that to me? And, and how do you think that leaders can approach their hardships with that type of mentality in mind? Yeah. I mean, this is a, uh, such a big question. So at the highest level, and this, what I'm about to share with you comes from our, uh, our, you know, our graduate school. So we have our, um, our undergraduate offerings at the leadership Academy, which we, you know, last year we had uh, close to 4,000, students, participants go through our programs, uh, both here in Dallas and virtually uh, delivered by our own clients. Uh, and within that group, there's a small, you know, dozens of leaders who choose to opt into a more elevated exploration and graduate work with us. So what I'm about to share with you is not, uh, is not my, you know, my personal point of view, but what I'm a part of in our, our faculty at our graduate program in our, our dean of our graduate school, Vid Deva, who's our religious scholar here at Stegen. And what Vid will tell all of us is, and this is a very simple set of words, but I have found tremendous depth in this. It's not what happens. It's how we relate with what happens. It's not what happens. It's how we relate with what happens, what is the what is our relationship to the anxiety, the struggle, the pain, the joy, the the winning? What? How do we relate with it? And it, in in that word, if we double clicked into the word relate, it allows us to have this lifelong orientation to that what we sometimes call the rhythms of relating of how am I in relationship to the world around me? Because, you know, and a lot of people have heard these, these pearls of wisdom of, you know, life doesn't happen to me. It happens for me would be another one of these frames where, and people would say, but what do you mean 
You know, I just had someone betray me. I just had, uh, I just had someone steal from me or cheat from me. Like, what do you mean this is a gift? Uh, And I, and I don't want to suggest that these aren't, you know, legitimate, like real pains that people go through and, and, and I'm just so happy to hear that you're saying four years later, you're seeing the gift in the pain because it is, um, we grow. I was at the gym this morning and I was doing, you know, I was doing arms and I was on 15 reps on my dumbbells and I wanted to quit. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to stop at 15, but I had more in me. And so I did five more. I did 20 and it is likely for anyone that's exercised, it is likely um, those last five reps that I didn't want to do, but I, but I stayed in the, uh, the productive anxiety, the productive distress and really stretched my muscles. That's where the growth is going to happen. Right. And so um, it is a, it is it is so often where people say like Rand, you know that's not a great value prop for a business. Like, hey, you want to become a better leader? It's going to be really hard, and it's going to take a really long time. Come on over. The pool's great. The water's great. But the reality is that development, and this is the distinction that we make between training and development. Training is something you do for the now. I was just with a leader a couple hours ago at the academy here and runs a very large national business. And I said, when you're hiring salespeople, you um, you obviously want to onboard them and you want to train them on your technology and on your um, on all your devices of how to actually be a productive sales a salesperson. So training is important, but training is for the now. And what training does is it fills the cup that already exists. That's different than development, training versus development. Development is for the future and development takes the container and it makes the container bigger. So I've got a cup in my hand. I, I, if I just want to like train someone, I want to fill them up with skills and knowledge. That is important, but that's not development. You said, I'm going vertical, Rand. I've had this incredible growth. I would say, Darius, what I hear you saying is that you moved from an eight ounce cup to a 14 ounce cup. So now your cup can actually hold more. And and this is the crazy part going back to the beginning of our societal challenges. The problems of the world are the the leaders that are actually responsible for solving problems can't even hold the problem. Their cups aren't even big enough to hold the complexity of the problem. How the hell are they going to solve a problem that they can't even hold? So we've got to we've got to expand the capacity of leaders so that so that incredible men and women that are out there on the front lines of leadership can actually have enough capacity to understand the problem before they're expected to solve it. But we've got we've got we've got a lot of work ahead. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. My gosh. Rand Stegen, man. I appreciate you so much. We're we're coming towards the end of the show here. I'm like I'm like what, I screwed up. I should have booked this for an hour and a half. I'm like we could we can go all day, man. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, shaping like, shaping and being shaped, Darius. You know this is this is the this is the beauty. Like we had no idea where the conversation was going to go, and that's the that's that. This is an example of emergence, right? This is an example of just having the uh, the, the faith 
to recognize that we'll just get into a conversation. It'll go like so many of your uh, conversations uh, on the on the greatness machine that they just kind of go in unexpected ways that um, that are there to serve the learning. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I love, man, you're such a good teacher and, and such a big part of my life. And I appreciate having you. Um, I'm going to end on our, we, we, we end all the shows now with the final question. I, I, I was going to prep you on it. I thought, no, I'll throw it in. I'll throw it to him at the end. I'm ready. So, throw the curveball. Yeah. The greatness machine. We're all about two things. People living their passions and those creating greatness in the world and doing so despite the odds. And so, you know, I always like to hear like, what is, if you had to think of the one thing that's created greatness in your life, that, that, that's really transcended you, you know, what, what would, what piece of advice would you give to folks having learned what you learned to create greatness in your life? What's the one thing that's really created grace in your life that you wish that you could teach to everyone around you? I mean, in many ways, I'm going to go back to your um, comment about what a gift the people, and this is not some big you know, um, big theory. This is just, you know, block and tackle every day. When we find ourselves getting defensive, feeling contracted, feeling judgmental, feeling angry, whether it's driving and we get frustrated with the person in front of us, whether it's, um, whether it's with a family member, a spouse, a child, and we lose our temper, we can make it about the person driving, we can make it about our teenage daughter, right? Because I lose, I lose my marbles with the 17, 15-year-old girls. I lose my marbles, you can ask them, at home. And we can say, um, she made me angry. But the reality is that when we really, and this is, the, this is what I'm working on myself all the time that I want to give to others, which is to not project when we get angry, when I get angry, when I get frustrated, that's my anger and frustration. That 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 means that I've just I've just been given the gift of a mirror that, hey Rand, you have no other way of behaving except reacting with frustration and anger. What a gift. If I were in a if I were in a, a, a martial art sparring, it's like my sparring partners are everywhere, right? And, 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 you know, as our friend Nathaniel Chalkett would say, you know, working with people that train the gaps in our game, like I want to actually know where my gaps are. I want to know where my, um, where my developmental edge is. And how do I know that? When I'm with people that actually, um, that actually bring out the worst in me. Mm. Because by the worst being brought out in me, I get the gift of knowing that's an area that I actually have no capacity to actually be resourceful except to get defensive or reactive. Like what a gift. I got teachers everywhere, especially at home with a wife and two teenage daughters as I'm like, oh my God, I'm so incompetent in so many ways because I don't know yet how to relate with those challenges in other ways besides getting frustrated often right now. So that's, that's what I'm working on. I love it, man. You're so, you're, 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 you're a mentor and a scholar, man. And I just love every, every, all the gifts you're bringing out to the world through the work you're doing and through Stegen. It's, it's, it really is a gift to leaders like myself and, and to leaders out there. So Rand, thank you so much for being on the show, my friend. I really appreciate it. 
And before we sign off, I want to acknowledge you. You said at the beginning, you are a personal growth athlete. So I want to thank you on behalf of all your listeners for what you do to create the conditions for um, for these kind of conversations and the contributions that you're making. Um, so thank you for being you. And I appreciate the opportunity to be here uh, for a second time. Thank, thank you, Rand. And so uh, before we go, though, if anyone wants to learn more about the Stegen programs, um, do you want to plug where they the best way for them to connect on that? Yeah, they just go to Stegen.com, S-T-A-G-E-N.com, and you can uh, learn all about us on the web. So uh, we'd love to love to have our advisors connect with anyone who's interested. Yeah, highly recommend the ILP program for any listener that, that it feels like it's the right move for them. I, I think you got to get nominated for that, though. Isn't that correct? If you don't, if you're not nominated, then our team finds uh, someone who's graduated our program that that is known from your LinkedIn network, and we find we find those guides. But yeah, it's an invitation only program. But pretty much everyone um, can find a way in um, through their existing network, and we're, we're quite good at that. Very cool. So check it, check out Stegen.com. Um, you, anyone has any uh, interest in that, please check that out. You can also reach out to me. I'm, I'm, I'm available at Darius at therealdarius.com. I can give some feedback. Uh, the feedback is going to be positive and amazing and you should do it if you can, if you can swing it. Um, but man, uh, what a great show. Love the conversation, man. As you mentioned, like I didn't know where it was going to go, but it went down some really cool rabbit holes as, as usual. And I, I had confidence in that going into the show. Um, if you love this show, share it with your friends. Leaders were givers. So share this to any, any uh, leaders that need to hear the show. Uh, give us a review. Give us a rating. And with that said, until next time, peace out. We love you. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. 
Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.